0: Welcome to What Christians Should Know, hosted by Dr. Elijah Sadoffel. This podcast equips you with clarity and meaningful answers about God, the Bible, and your Christian life. Now, here's Dr. Sadoffel. Today, we'll be taking a look at Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 to 33. The title of this morning's lesson is, How to Recognize Wisdom. In our theme verses, wisdom is represented as a woman crying out all the way through a crowded and bustling ancient city. So one of the first things that we recognize about wisdom in Proverbs is that it is personified, meaning Solomon uses a poetic device to get his reader's attention. Wisdom is not represented as an abstract thing, but as a living, breathing woman. Now, why did Solomon choose to represent wisdom this way? The text does not say, so there is no way to know for sure. Yet, what Proverbs 1.7 has told us is that wisdom is relational. So perhaps Solomon chose a woman because they are the more relational sex. Regardless, what is far more important is what Lady Wisdom tells us. What she says is priceless and carries eternal value, but there is an issue. Her voice is drowned out by the hustle and bustle around her. That is, Lady Wisdom is in fact always calling loudly and is out in public, but many do not take her seriously because they don't recognize her as wisdom. They merely regard hers as just another voice. Yet, treating her voice like the others can get you into serious trouble. What Proverbs has taught us so far is what wisdom is and what folly is. It has explained to us the life-giving benefits of wisdom and the life-robbing consequences of foolishness. But in what the text has described so far, it has operated under an assumption that the hearer can distinguish wisdom from folly. The reality is many are unable to make such a distinction. This is especially difficult in a world where there is so much deafening senselessness. Wisdom may be drowned out by all the background noise. She may also be drowned out by the enticement of sinners as exemplified in verses 10-14. to 14. Of all the voices in the world, everything falls into two categories, either wisdom or folly, life or death. There are no alternatives and no third way. This is why distinguishing one from the other is so very important. The question now becomes, in a world full of platforms vying for our ears, how do we decide who to listen to? How do we recognize what is wise and what is foolish? How do we know which speakers are proclaiming the wisdom of heaven and not the philosophies of earth? What Proverbs 1 20-33 will explain to us is how to distinguish wisdom when she calls. This is why when Lady Wisdom cries out, she will teach us how to recognize her voice. Hence, in this episode, we will learn five ways of how to recognize wisdom. Let us now begin by reading our text. Proverbs 1, 20-33 says, Wisdom shouts in the street, she lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out, At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention and you neglected all my counsel, and did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity, I will mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil." So how to recognize wisdom, point number one. Wisdom is recognized by her speech. In our theme verses, wisdom is speaking out in public. So, Lady Wisdom is not just speaking to her own child in private at home. She also has a public mission and actively finds people and meets them where they are. And wisdom bears witness where the most number of people are congregating. She speaks in the literal center of human life in the middle of the city square. Imagine a street preacher today with a portable speaker and a microphone in the middle of Times Square. He goes there because he intends to be noticed and he intends to be heard. Accordingly, the text says that Lady Wisdom shouts in the street, she lifts her voice in the square, she cries out at the head of the noisy streets and utters her sayings at the entrance of the gates in the city. As these verbs describe, Lady Wisdom is not passive about her mission. She shouts and cries. She threatens and warns. There is a certain fire in her words because what is at stake is more than just listening to her speak. What is at stake is life and death. So one place where Wisdom speaks is in a square, which in Solomon's day was an open area inside the gate of a fortified city. What Wisdom says is therefore no secret. It is intended for everyone to hear, regardless of what they are doing in the square. Furthermore, wisdom utters her sayings at the gates of the city. In antiquity, the gates were the place where leaders met to hold court. See Proverbs 31.23, Ruth 4.11, and Job 29.7. Those in positions of power would therefore be in earshot to a sermon delivered at the city's gates. The point of all of this is that Wisdom is recognized by her speech. This speech is open and honest. It is also publicly revealed and is accessible to all who will hear. Wisdom is not hiding. She is in fact in plain sight. But she is the minority voice in a raging ocean of whispers, counsels, opinions and conversations. Wisdom is also bold and is proud to preach wisdom in the light of day because divine wisdom never comes with fear, shame, or guilt. Contrast now the preaching of wisdom to the enticement of sinners. The latter is secret, hidden, and whispered in private. It is also not honest and is synonymous with deception and lies. Sinners tend not to entice out loud because they know what they are enticing you to do is wrong. Deception flourishes in the dark, while wisdom flourishes in the light of day. One of the reasons why wisdom never feels ashamed to proclaim the truth is because Lady Wisdom knows what she is proclaiming is divine. The wisdom of God therein has the power of God behind it. She is not reciting mere words, she is relaying words spoken by God, and what He has said is guaranteed never to return to Him void, Isaiah 55.11. 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us that Christ is the wisdom of God, and through Christ all of creation was made, Colossians 1.16. Christ is therefore the one who holds all of reality together. Hence... Wisdom can fearlessly preach God's wisdom, confident that it holds everything together. Wisdom can also fearlessly denounce folly, knowing that it makes everything fall apart. The final comment I will make on this point is that while students of Proverbs can recognize wisdom by her speech, there is another party who also knows how to recognize wisdom, the devil. He knows what distinguishes wisdom, and so he tries to counterfeit it. How does he do that? By recruiting agents who speak like wise agents of light, but in actuality are foolish agents of darkness. These agents mimic the speech of wisdom. They speak out in the open and seem very honest about the lies they are telling. Their speech is also very accessible and they are bold and proud about their message. They are seemingly fearless in their language and shameless in their conclusions. Sound familiar? It ought to, because this counterfeit strategy applies to whether you are talking about, for example, an extremist political speaker, a gay rights activist, or an apologist from another faith. One technique is to always take something that is extreme and abnormal and normalize it by the courageous and brazen oratory of a speaker. If these speakers are loud enough, visible enough, and exposed enough, they may even drown out true wisdom so people will begin believing in the lie and rejecting the truth. In the end, the devil has a diabolical mission so his plan is to never stop speaking with his children at home in private. He also has a public mission and actively finds people and meets them where they are. How to recognize wisdom, point number two. Wisdom is recognized by her purpose. And what is wisdom's purpose? That's simple. Her purpose is life. In fact, she desires life, but not for herself because she is already wise and knows the way of life. Her motive is that other people know wisdom and therefore live. Now, when I say that wisdom's purpose is life, I'm not just talking about the mere fact of living. I'm talking about a fullness and an abundance of life a quality of life that God intended for His people to live. This point is touched upon at the beginning of Proverbs 1 in verses 1-9. through There, if the son listens to and obeys wisdom, he will acquire physical symbols of life and prosperity. Wisdom's concern for life also animates warnings about things that can destroy life. This is why she warns by crying out in the middle of the tempting crowds. In verse 33, when she concludes her speech, she says, He who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. You see, while wisdom's purpose is always life, folly's purpose is always death. But even more than that, wisdom is also recognized by where her purpose is directed. Wisdom always keeps the end in mind and knows that eternity matters more than the present. As a result, wisdom's purpose is always eternal life, never natural life. Wisdom is heavenly minded and therefore values transcendent spiritual things over earthly and temporal things. This is an important point not to miss, because in the same way that the adversary counterfeits wisdom's speech, he also counterfeits wisdom's purpose. He too advocates for life, but he always wants people to have their best life now. In the devil's wisdom school, right now always matters more than eternity and his purpose is to keep you focused on right now so that you forget about eternity. What he will never tell you, however, is that even if you do get your best life now, your final destination is always destruction. What this now tells us is that because wisdom and folly have radically different destinations, they also have radically different paths. This leads to the third point. How to recognize wisdom, point number three. Wisdom is recognized by her paths. What Proverbs 1, 20-22 tell us is that Lady Wisdom travels in many different areas of the city, the square, the street, and the city's gates. So, while she literally goes to where the crowds are, the figurative path of wisdom tends not to be crowded. Let us not forget that by his own nature, man is at enmity with God. As a result, it is his natural inclination not to walk in wisdom's path, but in folly's path. Consequently, wisdom's path tends not to be popular. It is the road less traveled by a small minority of individuals. Let us remember that Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, 13-14, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Jesus also said in John 14:6 that he is the way, the truth and the life. Hence, when we talk about wisdom's path, we are essentially talking about Christ, who is the way and the path. Also, I do not think it's too far of a stretch to say that wisdom's path is through the narrow gate, never the wide gate. She is the one crying out at the narrow gate and showing all who will hear the way to eternal life. The way is Christ. So while we can recognize wisdom by her path, we must also recognize that this path is never popular with the masses. It should come as no surprise, then, why a biblical worldview is regarded as alien or strange to secular culture at large. It should also come as no surprise why a secular worldview is regarded as alien or strange for those who are in Christ. Opposing worldviews seem that way between cohorts because those who hold the divergent worldviews are walking on completely different paths. Yet, regardless of popular opinion, the Christian holds divine wisdom tightly to their chest knowing that the way of wisdom is the same path that was walked by Christ and that path leads to eternal life. The final thing I will comment on about wisdom's path is that it is hard to find. What I mean by that is because of man's sinful nature, we don't want to find wisdom's path and therefore alienate ourselves from it. We even alienate ourselves from wisdom when we recognize it but just refuse to do it. By nature, human beings gravitate toward folly and away from wisdom. And, while there is one Lady Wisdom out in public, there are many Lady Follies looking to ignite the natural inclination toward foolishness. Combine that with the multitude of sinners who are always looking for new recruits to actively entice, and it's no wonder why wisdom's path is so hard to find. In fact, Lady Folly makes her wisdom very easy to find. You see, she is not opposed to wisdom per se, as long as it is not God's wisdom. As long as her followers are acquiring wisdom apart from God, Lady Folly doesn't care. The preacher Vodi Balcom once said, Wisdom is the righteous application of true knowledge. Wisdom therefore means not only knowing what is true, but applying it in righteous ways. The only example we can look to of the pure righteous application of divine knowledge is Christ. Hence, if you take the wisdom of Proverbs and divorce it from God, what you have left is not wisdom. What you have left is knowledge that is applied in unrighteous ways. This means that Lady Folly is even content with her followers studying the book of Proverbs as long as they extract principles and leave God out of it what remains ends up being either moralism or legalism. What you have left is, this is what I can do to be a better person or follow these steps in order to win at life. So point number three is that wisdom is recognized by her paths. All of such paths lead to Christ. So, as long as a person is stepping closer to the Lord, that is wisdom. But if they are running farther away from the Lord, that is foolishness. Here now is point number four. Wisdom is recognized by her patience. This point draws from verses 22 to 23. In that text, Lady Wisdom continues her speech and says, How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Here, Lady Wisdom asks how long, which is not a true question. It's a figure of speech in Hebrew that basically communicates the idea that those in the listening audience have had long enough and they should have turned from their ways by now. That is, the naive should have outgrown being naive, seeing as how they have heard this message before. Yet, even though Lady Wisdom is speaking to a stubborn bunch, she is patient enough to speak to them one more time. When Lady Wisdom asks, how long will you love being simple-minded, this love speaks of a strong emotional feeling. It speaks of a strong desire for something that persuades someone to go after it. The naive thus love sin and burn with passionate desire to remain uncommitted to the Lord. The naive are simple-minded but are not people who lack mental capacity. They actually understand everything Lady Wisdom is saying. Their problem is a corrupt moral disposition that yearns for darkness. Thankfully, Lady Wisdom is patient enough to keep on preaching, even though she knows the problem is not in their heads, it's in their hearts. This should give all Christians a sense of intentionality when it comes to speaking to those in our lives who continue to love folly in spite of hearing God's truth over and over. Like Lady Wisdom, we too can ask how long, but we do so while remaining faithful to proclaiming the wisdom message. At the end of verse 23, Lady Wisdom says, I will pour out my spirit on you, I will make my words known to you. This has always been the biblical pattern, that no man ever turns away from foolishness without God's help. Thus, God must pour out His Spirit on a man before his ears are opened to listen and then respond to God's wisdom. As Romans 10.17 tells us, the Word of God is the ordinary means that God uses to open a man's heart to faith. Subsequently, even though the simple-minded scoffers and fools hate God's Word, what will actually transform their hearts is God's Word. This requires tremendous patience, seeing as how those who need to hear God's wisdom the most are the ones who are the most hostile to it. How to Recognize Wisdom, point number five. Wisdom is recognized by her penalties. Verses 24 to 27 say, Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention, and you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes, when your dread comes like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Wisdom begins speaking by taking positive action to warn she then moves on to the negative consequences of ignoring her counsel. So on the one hand, Lady Wisdom would not be speaking the truth if she did not spell out penalties for not taking her seriously. On the other hand, the Bible tells us time and time again that God only allows people to experience the full consequences of their deeds only after they have been properly warned. As a result, wisdom warning people of penalties is an act of grace. Verses 26 and 27 then say, I will also laugh at your calamity, I will mock when your dread comes, when your dread comes like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Here, wisdom prophetically states that she will laugh when calamity strikes. God laughing is not something new in the Bible. For example, in Psalm chapter 2, verse 6, God laughs when kings of earth try to revolt against His heavenly throne. The point is that Wisdom is not laughing when people suffer. She instead is laughing at the ludicrous idea that what stands against God can ever succeed. Wisdom is true and wisdom is right, which means foolishness is always bound to fail. Wisdom therefore laughs when folly ends in destruction. She rejoices when the truth of God triumphs. Those who cling to carnal securities will be swept up in a whirlwind that wrecks everything in life. The resultant dread means facing what a man fears most, God himself. Verses 28-31 to say, Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not accept my counsel, they spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices." The ultimate penalty for continually rejecting wisdom now is that a man gets to experience life without her forever. Yes, wisdom is speaking right now at the gates of the city, but she will not be there forever. God will therefore give those who refuse to hear exactly what they want, which is not Him. What the foolish fail to grasp is that for those who do not respond to the Lord in times of ease and convenience, He will not respond to them in times of judgment. No one ought to therefore take wisdom's patience for granted because wisdom's voice is not at all at human disposal. It can be sacrificed through stubborn rejection. Now one may ask, why does wisdom stop speaking? Why does God not give everyone forever? And the answer goes back to what the wisdom of Proverbs has already told us. That the choices we make now actually do matter. They actually do matter because there will be a time in the end when all will be judged. As a result, temporal choices have eternal consequences because God has decreed that no one has forever. If this were not the case, what we choose to do now would have far less significance. If this were not the case, fools could treat this life with careless complacency and it would not make any difference. People who deny final judgment do so simply so that they can live in the present, consequence-free. Lady Wisdom concludes her speech in verse 32 by telling us the ultimate penalty for ignoring her. The text says, For the waywardness of the naive will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. And in the final verse of the speech, the text says, But he who listens to me shall live securely, and will be at ease from the dread of evil. So, while payday will someday come to all people, what Lady Wisdom does not do in the meantime is sit back and watch people ruin their own lives. This tells us the last feature of wisdom, point number six. Wisdom is recognized by her protection. Wisdom knows that when people try to live as autonomous agents where they are king, the result is always bad. The result is always calamity and dread. This is why she speaks in the first place, in order to protect so that those who have an ear to hear will live. So what has Proverbs 1, 20-33 taught us? It has taught us that wisdom's goal is never to condemn people for being naive, simple-minded, or foolish. Her goal is life, which is why she actively seeks people and warns them in the public square. Still, there are some who may find wisdom's words in these verses harsh. Indeed, turn or burn is a message that may seem harsh on the surface, but it is designed so that the sinner will turn so that they don't burn. If wisdom did not care, she would simply stay home and keep silent. Wisdom warns us against ourselves because without divine assistance, the ones who will navigate our own vessels to destruction is us. When we speak about the Gospel according to Proverbs, what we quickly see is that while the Lady is a poetic personification of wisdom, Jesus is the literal incarnation of divine wisdom. He is not a literary construct or an abstract idea. He is the flesh-and-bones God-man. True wisdom is knowing Him and having a relationship with Him. When a man trusts in Christ, that means a sinner is justly pardoned and is therefore delivered from calamity and dread. Trust in Christ and you shall live securely. Reject Christ and you will experience the dread of evil. Right here, right now, today, do not be complacent, for today is the day of salvation. Wisdom is calling. The question now is, how do you respond?